LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. Well, thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast hosted by LifeWay. Ron's mission is to help church leaders become better leaders. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, and in this episode, we're going to discuss 10 ways to help a spouse during a time of career transition. And Ron, you've had a few transitions yourself, some even recently. So let us know about this one. Yeah. Are you saying I can't keep a job? Because that's what I always tell everybody. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to put it nicely, okay? (laughs) You know, my resume looks like a millennial's, you know? (laughs) I mean, because I haven't been anywhere real long. (laughs) I was 10 years the longest place, just to clarify. and But most places were six or less. There you go. But anyway, no, I have had a lot of transitions. You know, I came out of the business world at the age of of, uh, 38 and... um, and was an entrepreneurial business leader. So we did several different things then and and then came into the church world. They always had reasons behind them, but we had, uh, you know, uh, three church revitalizations and and two church starts and uh, and a, a stint of uh, leading a nonprofit in between that. So we've had a lot of transitions in our, in our life. I've counted up one time. I think I've had um, – close to 20 different jobs in my, wow. in my life, literally different, like totally different. The, the hardest one was repossessing TVs. That was really difficult. I'll, That's a whole I'll, other podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain that sometime. <laughs> but the, 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 um, the point of all that transitions are, uh, I, I understand transitions are hard, but they're equally hard on, um, on your spouse. And uh, this one, I love the fact that this one actually came from a listener. Somebody asked us to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I had thought through many times before because every time I've transitioned, Cheryl's gone with me. Yep. Thankfully, we have a, uh, there's a pillow she bought and placed in my, um, in, in my chair, the chair where I said that says, where you go, I go. <laughs> and um, recently I said something about um, in the last six months or so, I said, hey, there's this job in Dallas or something. And she said, well, I'm taking back the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so she's not transitioning I'm anymore. You, know? you just wake up one day and it says, I'm here. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Right. But anyway, uh, it's equally important that the, the tr- spouse transition well. Mm. And um, in fact, I have learned not in my personal sense, but I have learned in well, somewhat because we moved to Dallas and Cheryl just didn't love Dallas. I mean, she just didn't. If you're in Dallas, I'm sorry, she just didn't. <laughs> but uh, that's not why we left. But that was part of it. You know, it certainly was an aspect to consider. But I have brought staff members onto my team and the spouse could never make the transfer. And so we ended up not keeping them on our staff. They just couldn't make the transition. So helping your spouse transition well is equally important to you transitioning well into your into your new role. And by the way, let me just throw in a, a little plug here just because um uh just because I I'm trying to do some of this. I have a uh, domain, ministrytransition.com, and one of my favorite things to do is to help people figure out how to navigate those first 90, 180 days. And so uh, if I can come help you, I'd be glad to do that as well. And we're actually working, working with a team to kind of finalize some of that and work on some ministry transition uh, stuff in a broader way. So stay tuned for some of that. But here are some suggestions 
10 of them uh, to help you transition. Uh, the first one is this, celebrate what they are doing. Celebrate what they are doing. Um, many times when when you move into a new role, the excitement is around your role. And uh, I was talking to a young pastor once who was experiencing just great success in his new church. At the same time, his wife was caring for their children. And I just tried to remind him that changing diapers on the children he loves is just as powerful as what he's doing. Mm. Because it didn't feel that way based on the celebrations in their home. Her life hadn't changed. His life had. So all the conversation, all the excitement was on his role, not hers. Uh, celebrate what the spouse is doing. Um, the second one is this. Help them explore and pace themselves in their new role. Um this one easy to put a, a hat on for uh, for the pastors uh, to to wear, um, but wherever you transition to, your spouse is going to have to find their own identity also, and that will take time. Likely, when you transitioned into a position, you have a job description. You have you pretty you don't may not know all that you're going to be doing, but you know generally what you're going to be doing. The spouse may have moved with you, and they uprooted their entire world, and yet they don't know where they're headed. Hmm. So give them time to figure that out. In the, in when I walk into a church, one of the first things I do is I tell them, "Look, my wife is going to take some time to figure out what she does best. So don't try to plug her into the preschool ministry, the children's ministry, or the greeting ministry, or anywhere else. We're going to give her some time to explore and find her own identity." Yeah, that's. Very, I mean, that's helpful for you even to have that on the front end because there are times when if somebody were to hire you as a pastor. They just assume that they're also getting a pseudo yep. staff member. She's the piano player. Exactly. Right? And, yep. and my wife doesn't sing and she doesn't play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's good to set expectations yep. even on the, their end as well. And That's right. I think even you saying pace themselves, you're also protecting them right. to explore that. So that's yep. very helpful. Well, the next one I think goes into a little bit of that as well. So what's the third one? Well, don't lock them into your world. Um, don't dictate their ministry. Uh, my... My wife and I are partners, but she's not me, nor am I her. You know, her interests are different from mine. If I tried to get her to think just like me or do the things that I do, she'd get very bored, and I would with hers. Uh, she'd get very stressed in my world, not bored, <laughs> stressed. I'd get very bored in hers. Yeah. So, you know, she goes to lunch with people, and I'll say, where'd y'all go? And, you know, how'd it go? Well, we were there two and a half hours. I'm like, I've never had a two and a half hour lunch. You know, it just <laughs> hasn't ever happened in my world. But that's how she's wired. And so I can't lock her into mine and say, hey, we're going to schedule this lunch and it's only going to be 45 minutes and you're not going to really get to know them. But here we go. You know, I got to allow her to, to follow it her for her wiring. Yep. Well, you know, going into that, I think that goes well into the next point because you need to actually have those conversations. So what's yeah. number four? It's listen to your spouse. Listen to your spouse. Now, that should be all the time, uh, but it's more important during times of stress and transition and, and change. Let them speak into that. Um, and, you know, again, that's a practice you should have in all the days of your marriage, but <laughs> especially in the transition days. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't exactly a transition, but for, for me and my wife, uh, we got plugged into our church here in Nashville. And, you know, two to three years in, my wife started talking a lot about, you know, the young women in our church and how she didn't see a group for them. Right. And she kind of just set, kept saying that over and mm -hmm. over again. Mm -hmm. And, we're, we, you know, we were in our own group of couples. And finally, I was just like, 
would you want to lead one? And she's like, I don't know. And I, you know, she, we kind of talked about it and she ended up stepping into that. Yeah. And it's been so cool to see how God worked through Absolutely. that. Yeah. But sometimes I, you know, even listening, not saying that you need to push in a direction, right. but if you start to hear in your spouse, a desire, yeah. passion towards Absolutely. something, you know, also I think point them towards that. That's right. I think that's great insight because you probably see in her what she can't see in herself. And mm-hmm. you sometimes know her better than she knows herself because you're seeing it from the outside perspective. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. It's part of being great partners. Well, the next one is to let them grieve. Let your spouse grieve. Uh, they may mourn uh, separation of friends or the house that they miss or the things that they got to do. or You know, uh, they may complain at times that the supermarket isn't as easy to navigate. Whatever that is, give that all time. It's, it's going to take time for them to... Um, um, uh, to explore, to feel acclimated. Don't be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Transitions involve a loss, and loss comes with emotions. Give that time to process. Yeah, that's very wise. What about the next one? The next one is to be conscious, um, and that simply means it won't be the same. It probably never will be. Your roles will be different. You'll have different friends. Uh, your schedules will be altered. Your routines will change. Be conscious of the fact that that creates stress in you and in your spouse. And so just simply uh, be aware of that. Mm-hmm. So you've done this many times as we discussed, and there's there's kind of always a point, and I don't want to say that you should just jump to get past these things. You need to grieve. You need to be conscious of what's happening. When is... You know, there's a time where you're settled into where you are now, and the transition is we we have left, mm-hmm. and we need to start making this new home. We need to start being comfortable here, um, and and oftentimes, you know, even in those own things, we need to do that in ourselves because right. we need to actually grieve. And sometimes you can just jump into your right. role and be so excited, and then exactly. all of a sudden, it just kind of hits you. Yeah. Maybe you know what's a good time frame to give yourself for these two points. To give yourself time, but also not to just always be thinking of the past and well, be present. And some of that is uh, you're asking for marriage counseling now, and this is going to take a little <laughs> while. But no, seriously, this this uh, this is it's very real. Um, and for for me, with Cheryl, Cheryl has a, a a stronger faith than I have in terms of that we're supposed to do this. Let's go do it. But she has a slower acclimation than me. So I'll get excited about the new, I'll forget the names of the people at our last church and I'm ready to go, you know, and I say that jokingly, but that's kind of the way I'm wired. For her, she's still talking on the phone to her old friends every week, you know, and, and, and failing to meet new friends because she's got so much energy with her old friends. And so there has to be a balance there. And for us, we have to spend, um, uh, we have to know each other enough to for us to be able to coach each other along so she needs to remind me i can't forget everything all the friends of the past and i need to remind her we need to make some new friends and so some of that is just is just working through those seasons together and the long the more transitions we make the easier that becomes but as a general rule um in our transfers and i think this will be different for couples too because you can't put a when somebody's grieving a loss, you can't put a time frame on that. There may be, it may be two or three years from now, they think back, man, I really miss those friends, you know, that sort of thing. 
but a general rule for us is a year down the road, we like to kind of have, okay, we're on the ground, mm. you know, and, and, uh, we, we're finding our place. And part of that is me helping her, her helping me listening, all the things we've been talking about. And, and so, you know, in, in our context, I'm in the church. She's looking for a place in the church, but I'm there every day. So I get to kind of, okay, see what's on the ground. And, oh, the, Cheryl would be really interested in kind of like what you said. And and I can point out, here's an opportunity. Hmm. And she gets excited about that. But we, we've kind of in our marriage set, let's, let's look at kind of a year transition and be graceful in that for the first year. Not that we're not going to be graceful after that, <laughs> but we know, okay, the year's coming. Let, I, I need to find my place. Yeah. I need to move on. Yeah, that's helpful. What about the next one? The next one is to be present when you're home. Um, you're, you're, you're in a new role. You're super busy. Everything's exciting. But when you're finally home, be fully home and shut down. Have some times where you quit everything uh, to, to focus on the family. Give your family the attention they deserve. In in my experience, one of the things that happens and what that derails the transition going well is that you're so involved with the new that you forget this family's at home that really needs your attention. Don't forget that. Don't neglect that time. Yeah. I mean, that that's important always, but I, where you're coming from there, you want to make the best first impression. You want to be making sure you're making these changes right. at the neglect of your family. That's so. right. Exactly. Well, the next one is to celebrate your new area. Um, you've moved to a, and we're probably talking most of the time, new city, new environment, uh, but explore, explore it together. Uh, discover the hidden gems, be a tourist for a while. So when we moved to Lexington, Kentucky, beautiful city, great restaurants, uh, we started to volunteer, and we did this on purpose. We started to volunteer twice a month at the visitor center on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and so we would just go down there, and and we didn't know. I'm like, no, I don't know. We're new too. We couldn't <laughs> help anybody, <laughs> but we learned a lot about the city, yeah. And we were able to assist because they'd have they had paid staff there. We were just volunteers, but we were able to assist assist, and we'd leave there every week finding something new about our city that we wanted to go explore. Yeah. We we decided to find the best burger in town. That was our goal, you know, or the best pizza in town or all the the little areas that of, of things that, that go on. We just acclimate yourself to the, to the community and explore it and and uh, it'll help you transition. You know, when you were talking about volunteering at the visitor center, the very first thing when we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, mm-hmm. I did was drive Uber. Like oh, I was like, I want to drive awesome. Uber. Well, yeah. people would get in and they say, well, how long you lived here? And I was like, I've been here two days. And they're like, how are you going to get us around? I have a map. But I did learn the city <laughs> yeah. better than I would have any other Absolutely. way. And you learn some holes yeah. in the wall. So I love the creativity of, you know, serving at the visitor center and just, you know, learning alongside other people. It's a great way to do it. So I have to ask, I'm, I'm pulling up my Uber app right now. <laughs> what was your rating? I think I was... I was like a 4.7, 4.8, okay. you know. I think you always get some bad reviews. You do. I'm a 4.93 as a as a rider. Okay, yeah. But it bothers me because I, I'm like, I could be a 4.95. I mean, what did I do wrong in exactly. the back seat of your car? Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, you probably so. did nothing, but then yeah. you were just like, ah, he's a four. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, well, that's another podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, second to last one, what is it? Keep your spouse informed. 
keep your spouse informed. And what I mean by that is they're going to naturally feel somewhat isolated. You're in this exciting new world, got a lot going on. Don't make them find out from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you're unpacking what's going on on a regular basis. For Cheryl and, and, and me, that's nightly walks. And she knows we're going to take a walk together. I'm going to unpack what the day looked like. Here's what, what we're dreaming about. Here's what we're thinking about. Uh, another way that I do that is uh, for staffs is we, whenever we have staff retreats, we will bring the staff spouses along for the last part of that, the end of the, the day kind of thing, and unpack where we're going for them so that they stay informed. That's a, and, and I have had new staff members who the spouse came and said, we've never experienced that before. It's so good to really know what's going on behind the scenes because all we see is what's going on on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So uh, however you can uh, do that to help your spouse just stay informed. Yeah. Is there is there a level of... <laughs> you don't want to share too much. Uh, you know, is there like a level of how much to share? You you have to know your spouse, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, for instance, I never share uh, confidential things about men with Cheryl because I don't want her to see them differently. And she knows that I don't. Um, I'd never, uh, I, I won't share a conflict maybe that I had with uh, somebody in the church that I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot of credibility into it. It's just, it was just, you know, there are mean people in the church and I don't, yep. you know, so I may not share that with her because I don't want her to, um, um, uh, I, I'll give you an example. And I don't think these people will listen to the podcast. If they do, I'm sorry. I'm using your story. Somebody, um, somebody at, at our, at one of our last churches, I'll get a little more vague. Cheryl would comment on my Facebook uh, post or do a post about me. And she would say, so, proud of you, babe. And they messaged me and said, I cannot believe how disrespectful your wife is to call our pastor, babe. Hmm. <laughs> okay, whatever, <laughs> you know, but, but I felt the need to tell Cheryl that, okay. you know, because uh, whatever, you know, and, and this person supposedly represented a group of people, uh, just so she knew that that was out there. Yeah. But I never told her who it was yeah. to, to this day because it wasn't fair for her to have that weight yep. of that conflict yep. that was in my world. I think that's very helpful to know. I can even share a situation but withhold who. Yep. That way you don't view people differently or walk right. into a room and just wonder, oh, there yep. they are. They, yep. they think Unless she needs to know. <laughs> Unless she needs to know. You want to protect <laughs> that her in that room. person right yep. there, do not go over and talk yep. to them. Yeah, that's good. All right. What about the last one? The last one is just simply to be patient. It's going to take longer for your spouse to acclimate than it than you maybe you think it should that's okay your spouse is not you and don't expect them to respond to the world the way you do i get excited about transition i get excited about change cheryl not as much that's okay mm-hmm. she has her purpose i have mine i have to be patient with that yeah Well, if you found this helpful and you know somebody who is going through transitions, go ahead and share this podcast with them. We'd love for them to find it as helpful as you did as well. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please help us out. Download, share, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And let us know topics that you'd like that you want us to discuss. You can do that in the review section of iTunes, or you can just shoot Ron a message on his blog as well. And we'll see you next time. 
Jesus's final charge to his disciples was to go and make disciples of all nations. And yet, many Christians today struggle to understand what this means for them. And many churches find it difficult to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the past 15 years, our friends at Downline Ministries have partnered with local churches by equipping men and women to know God's word and make disciples in the context of their homes, their churches, and their communities. They do this through the Downline Institute, a nine-month training program program where students are taught Genesis through Revelation, biblical manhood and womanhood, and practical discipleship training. If you long for a greater knowledge of God's word, a clear vision for making disciples, and a strengthening of biblical discipleship in your church, check out the Downline Institute's in-person and virtual training options. Downline is offering our listeners $100 off of the tuition cost. Just use the code LIFEWAY when you apply at downlineministries.com.